Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet full of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. Spend my dollar. It's not about what you want. It's about what you're willing to do to get it. Run it again. Hello and welcome. I'm not going to, so quit asking. When you give me a hard time. For the listeners that didn't get to go. This is the payback. What you did last year really doesn't matter. Our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play. Hi. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Alabama fans, we've got a treat for you tonight. We've got uh, an interview with Steve Robertson from 24-7. It's Gene's site, but uh, it's really the Mississippi State 24-7 site. Steve's written a couple of books and uh, about college football, primarily Mississippi State. Uh, he's grown up sort of in that in that uh, uh, fan uh, in that fandom, uh, and uh, he's done a number of of interesting and uh, exciting things in in his career. It's really sort of an accomplished individual, uh, a little bit of a Renaissance man, uh, if you will. Very very interesting person. We have a really good conversation about Mississippi State and the team and Mike Leach, and he shares a lot of I think uh, really interesting information. And what's interesting, and I tell him myself uh, during the interview, and I'll tell myself a little bit now, when I reached out uh, to engage, uh, and I'm reaching out to multiple people to find someone to interview to speak with, and when I reach out to to Steve, in my mind, he's just, and I don't mean it in in a diminutive way, but he's someone who represents Mississippi State, and that's exactly what we're looking for. Well, it turns out he's so much more than that, uh, and in sort of in the lexicon or in the world of, of college football, He's uh, something of of an iconic uh, figure. He is the individual that did the legwork, that did the research, that requested uh, the public records. He is nearly individually responsible for bringing down uh, Hugh Freeze. Now, I would argue that Hugh Freeze is responsible for bringing down Hugh Freeze, but in terms of investigating the phone records and making the calls and connecting the dots and requesting more records for more data points and sort of piecing together uh, the puzzle, building the case, or really defeating the case that this was all a function of of Houston Nuts doing. Uh, he played an integral role uh, in that, and in sort of the world of Mississippi State football or Mississippi college football, he's an icon in that regard, and it's uh, it's it's quite compelling. And so we spent a few minutes talking about that as well. It, it's interesting these years later to hear. 
uh, sort of his view or his vision on that. Uh, and that was a lot of fun, but certainly it was a surprise as I was preparing for this to realize, oh my gosh, I've, who do, who is it that I'm speaking with? Completely uh, unexpected originally. We have a good conversation again about the game and about this as well. And we hope that, uh, that you certainly will enjoy it. So without any further ado, let's hand it off to the interview. Roll Tide. Welcome back, podcast fans. Have we got a special treat for you tonight? We've got Steve Robertson, who is an author uh, uh, featuring multiple titles, Mississippi State podcast, uh, The Boneyard, publisher at on Gene's page, uh, which is the 24 uh, 7 site for Mississippi State, and an accomplished sleuth. And Steve promised if we behave ourselves, uh, he might ask, answer a couple of questions about that. Steve, thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, happy to be with you guys. Looking forward to seeing all the Crimson Tide fans in uh, Starville this weekend. You know, it's a short trip there from Tuscaloosa. I've been there uh, a time or two myself. That's an easy get and a lot of fun. Hey, let me ask you, you know, Mike Leach is uh, a little bit of a cult of personality uh, amongst college, you know, football coaches. A lot of fans really appreciate Leach, but from a distance, what's it like up close? When he's your coach, what's it like? Oh, he's been great, man. It's like, you know, there's so much of this stuff, you know, like people ask him, you know, who's your favorite Smurf and all that kind of stuff, you know, and, you know, it's better when it happens organically, like it did this week. And, you know, we asked him something about, you know, how do you kind of keep guys uh, buttoned up? And he goes, well, you know, you see it every week, you know, it's like a guy's out there and he's like, Hey, the cheerleader ran around the field three times and a Shetland pony came out and had a hot dog on the 50 yard line. So what do you want me to do? It's, it's so much more fun when it happens organically, but I'll be honest with you. Mike really just wants to talk football. He doesn't, he doesn't pursue this silliness like some people make him out to be. And, you know, since the beginning, my very first interview with him one-on-one, he interviewed me for about 20 minutes, kind of wanted to know me as a person and kind of what I was about and, and uh, you know, how I came to be in Starville. And he's been very engaging. He always responds to my text. Sometimes it's one in the morning, but, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's a character, but uh, he's a guy that's really serious about his football and really kind of an old-school guy. Nice, nice. I've heard that about him. Some of the interviews and articles that I've seen, you know, read about him or, or interviews I've seen, he comes across. He has sort of this wacky persona. And like you said, sometimes people poke and prod to get that out of him. But like it, it seems like it, it like you said, he's sort of an old style coach. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I think it was his presser this week. Leach mentioned that uh, the Bulldogs really are one layer deep. And I thought that was an interesting sort of interpretation. When I hear that. I, I, I think that's a coach referencing a program on the rise. That's a that's a coach referencing, you know, we're progressing, we've not arrived, we're getting our style of players in. How does how do you think that statement resonates uh, amongst the fan base? Yeah, I think it's a fair statement. You know, last year you didn't have the benefit of spring practice. You're installing a new offense and defense. And so you had to kind of learn on the fly last year during the fall. And so you have some guys that don't have a working knowledge of what you're trying to do. This year it's much different. And so I think that's one of the reasons you're seeing better results on the field. Even in the games that they lose, they look more like a team that's got some confidence, a little more sure of themselves. It's just a matter now of kind of finding some depth and recruiting some depth behind them. That makes sense. And that's fun to watch a team on the rise. You know, uh, it's, it's easier. Even if there's struggles, you know, they're building to something. That's a lot more fun to watch. Talking about building and, and maybe going places, talk about Will Rogers. Uh, last year, as a true freshman, uh, at least in Tuscaloosa, he was thrust into action when K.J. Costello went down. Uh, looks like dividends paying off this year. He's putting up some pretty big numbers so far. 
Yeah, he has. And a lot of that, too, is just being comfortable with what he's being asked to do. You know, last year he was a few months removed from going to high school prom, and then he's thrust into that ball game in Tuscaloosa when the game is already decided, you know, after KJ gets a, mm-hmm. a concussion. And, you know, listen, he played pretty well. Then the numbers, you know, obviously didn't uh, lead to a win. But uh, I didn't think he let the helmet sticker beat him. You know, that's there's this mystique about Alabama a lot of times. Sometimes teams are defeated before they even get on the field because mm-hmm. – they're playing the tradition rather than the team. And, and I think Will is a guy that maybe understands, hey, if I go out here and do my job, maybe we got a shot to win a ball game. And so I, I don't get the sense that he's scared. I know that he has a real respect for each opponent, but he's been very good this year. He's been uh, one of those guys, too, that hadn't tried to do too much. And I think that was the issue with KJ last year. It's just, you know, it's like you get down a couple of scores and so you throw a ball up for grabs and hope your guy can make a play. Well, you got eight DBs back there you know, uh, defending that pass. And so it was not, you know, a high percentage throw. I think Will's doing a much better job of kind of taking what the defense gives him. And as a result, the offense has been a lot better. You know, I want to throw out some numbers, primarily for the Alabama fans listening. Uh, When we think about Will Rogers' sophomore at uh, Mississippi State, you know, 1,800, almost 1,900 yards uh, passing uh, so far this season. He has 284 attempts, a 76% uh, completion rate. And in fact, Alabama fans, he has more completions than Bryce Young has attempts and he's played one fewer game. I'll kind of spin this in a question back to you, Steve. Do you think uh, Will Rogers is a, this Will Rogers, uh, do you think this Will Rogers is a national name in waiting or do you think it's more a function of the air raid, the system? I think it's both. Uh, I think Will is the guy that was came in as a three-star guy, a coach's kid, really smart, uh, Mike Leach offered him when he was at Washington State. So it's, he's not a quarterback that Leach is unfamiliar with. But also, too, I think, you know, in this system, you know, usually the, the Mike Leach quarterback is among the top 10 in passing yards in the country. Mm-hmm. And last I checked, heading into last week, I think Will was third or fourth. But, uh, yeah, I, I think he is a guy that is a good fit for the system. So as a result, you're kind of seeing his profile on the rise. But, yeah, as long as Mike Leach is throwing the football around, you know, his quarterbacks are going to have some gaudy numbers. So, yeah, it is a product of the system. But it's not as simple as you say, oh, well, anybody can do it. Because if right. that was a K.J. Costello would have done it. Yep. You know, So you've got to have the right guy that understands how to take what's expected of him and then translate that to the production on the field. That makes a lot of sense, and I agree. Uh, it's got to be It's got to be a little bit of both. Talk about some of the skill players. Uh, there's a number of receivers uh, – uh, two running backs and a receiver, over 30 catches on the year. Those are big numbers in four games in. Uh, talk about some of the go-to players, uh, skill skill position-wise, uh, for the Bulldogs. Well, Makai Polk is a guy that has really emerged as the one. You know, he was a transfer from Cal. You hoped he would come in here and be able to produce, and he has so far. Had a huge game at A&M, 13 catches and, uh, you know, a couple touchdowns. And he is the guy, too, that I think is understood. You don't have to get out here and – and run by people, but you've got to stick routes. You've got to be able to uncover and get yourself open against zone and man coverage. And he is the guy that kind of salivates when he sees man coverage because he is such a great technician as a route runner. Austin Williams is kind of the steady Eddie possession guy. Not a lot of run after the catch with him, but anything in his catch radius, he normally takes uh, ownership of. Uh, You're starting to see Jameer Calvin make some plays. He's a Washington State transfer that was in the air right under Leach and those guys – uh, up up in um, Pullman. Uh, but, you know, there's some other guys kind of returning. You know, uh, Tulu Griffin is a guy that uh, Alabama actually recruited out of Philadelphia, Mississippi. 
uh, played with uh, Kadarius Callaway that has transferred out of Alabama. So he's a guy that the coaching staff very familiar with. He has been a great returner, but teams have been kind of neutralizing him a bit by ensuring they kick the ball into the end zone. And so uh, he's a guy that I know they want to work the ball to a lot more. They want to get him more involved in the offense. So you'll see a lot more bubbles with him. Uh, they like to run him uh, out there in the flats and kind of let him make a guy miss because he's got some wiggle to him. But this is a receiver group that is uh, really in transition. You, you had some guys that were kind of the tail end of the, the Dan Mullen years. They were recruited, you know, to run a different scheme. So last year, for many of those guys, they had never seen zone coverage, you know, unless it was in a third long situation. So there hadn't been many Mississippi State receivers in recent years that have learned to play against a drop eight until this group. And last year it was just kind of like uh, it was Greek to them. Now this year they understand how to uncover and find those pockets in the zone. And as a result, Will Rogers' numbers are better. Their numbers are better. Mississippi State scoring points at a much higher clip. Makes sense. Talk about the running backs. I look at their numbers and I'm trying to sort of understand the story that they're telling. Uh, Dylan Johnson, and I probably mispronounced uh, uh, Jokavis Marks. Johnson, 29 carries. Marks, 40 more carries, their yardage number's about the same. So the average, uh, it, there's a disparity in the average. Is Marks more of a short yardage back? Is Dylan more of a uh, sort of the big play back? What's the story behind those numbers? Well, Jaquavius Marks had to bulk up a little bit, and uh, he is the guy that can make you miss in, in space. And Dylan Johnson was the guy that's actually trimmed up a little bit, so he's a little lighter on his feet this year. DJ is a really hard-nosed, between-the-tackles type guy. Now, they like to swing it out to him because oftentimes he's a mismatch against a corner and kind of break through a tackle and fall forward. Uh, Jaquavius Marks, we actually call him Woody, but uh, last year he was the guy that on first contact always went down. He rarely ever ran through tackles. So this year he's running with a lot more authority. But the, the, the situation with these Bulldog running backs is these short intermediate passes and these swing passes out in the flats, are really an extension of the running game. You know, they do some tosses that are they're really kind of forward pitches, you know, rather yeah. than, you know, a typical inside handoff. And so there's a lot of that they do around the line of scrimmage. It's technically a pass. It really kind of goes down, uh, you know, as a run. It, it serves the same thing, but you're just trying to get the ball in the hands of your playmakers uh, in space. And so both of those guys have really embraced this position. You know, these guys obviously were great and accomplished ball carriers in high school, but – they understand to play in this scheme. You've got to be a good receiver out of the backfield. You've got to be good in pass protection. We're seeing a much more polished product out of both of those guys this year compared to last because with Colin Hill opting out last year, both of those guys, his true freshman, had to kind of jump into the, the fire a little bit, make some plays. You know, I think their best football is ahead of them, but we're beginning to see them make some strides. Steve, talk about the tight end position. I looked at the roster once, twice, three times. I didn't see a tight end on the roster. What am I missing? Yeah, we don't have tight ends at Mississippi State anymore. What happened basically is uh, the guys that were here either trimmed up and became outside receivers, switched over to defense, or transferred. You know, we just, you know, Dan Mullen liked to have two to three scholarship tight ends because, you know, at the end of the day, Dan Mullen is a spread option coach that wants to feature a power running game. Well, that's just not the case, you know, with, uh, you know, with Mike Leach. We just don't recruit tight ends anymore. <laughs> You recruit bigger X-type receivers and you get your H guys to play in the slot and you kind of figure it out from there. But, uh, you know, guys like Austin Williams is an outside guy. But, you know, a guy that's, that had some success on the baseball field this year, Brad Cumbust, was recruited to play tight end. But he had shoulder surgery right after we got back from Omaha. So he's not playing football. Matter of fact, he just got cleared to return to fall baseball practice. That's the last of the Bulldog tight ends. And so 
just not any of those guys out there. You know, they, they'll do some bunch formation stuff, but you never have an attached tight end any longer. So there's a streak then uh, that Alabama will be able to break uh, this Saturday. And I, it sounds like I can feel confident uh, predicting this. Uh, Mississippi, Mississippi State will be uh, the third team that we've played this season that enters the game with no receptions by a tight end. Sounds like you might be the first team that exits the game with that stat intact. Yeah, you guys will get that by default. You know, it's just, right. Uh, but, you know, it's just a change in philosophy. And, you know, that's the thing, too, is like, you know, you, you got to encourage patience among the Mississippi State fan base because, you know, you got you got to get these guys up and running. I had a call there. I apologize for that. But you got to get these guys kind of up and running in the right direction. And you got to find the personnel to fit this scheme. And so, you're basically playing with guys that were recruited to play another scheme. So it's still kind of a hodgepodge type deal. But, uh, you know, we think we've got a chance to be a good team this year and then a really good team next year when that young nucleus on offense are juniors. Yeah, that makes sense. Talk about the offensive line. Uh, what are we watching for uh, Mississippi State offensive line? They've actually gotten a lot better this year. You know, last year the COVID protocols really hurt us a lot. We never knew from one week to the next who was going to start, much less who was going to be available, and had to act, actually postpone the Auburn game because we only had six scholarship offensive linemen last year. Well, now that those those protocols are behind us, this group has developed some cohesion, uh, allowed just two sacks against A&M, uh, just two sacks against LSU, if I'm not mistaken, and, and among the nation's leaders in sacks to drop back percentage. So they're doing a much better job. The splits haven't changed, no matter what some other people have said in, in the media. People say, oh, well, they changed this. No, they hadn't changed anything. These guys just gotten better. It's, they now understand what they're doing. You know, it's like when you put them out there with those wide splits the first year, it's foreign to them. Well, now they've kind of bought in. They understand what's happening. And uh, as a result, they've been able to keep Will Rogers upright a whole lot longer this year. That makes sense. That makes They know how to play with the splits, the angles, all of that changes with the water split, they know how to play it. That makes a lot of sense. Let's flip the field and talk defense a little bit. You know, I, I saw uh, Mike Leach run something of a, uh, or maybe this was Saban in his interview, talked about something of a 3-3 a stack. Talk about that a little bit. Uh, State uh, looks like they're third in uh, rush defense in the SEC. And in that 3-3 stack, I'm, I'm assuming that's underneath a nickel. You guys play mostly, uh, post, uh, mostly base out of a nickel? That's correct. Yeah, it's 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 a three three five at its core, but you know they they will move some guys around. You know there, there's guys that play Mike, they'll play Will the next package, and there are other guys that'll you know walk up in a stand a two point stance like defensive end. And so there's a lot of different looks. And and Zach Arnett's a guy that's really exotic with his blitz package, and he has something new every week. You know, depending on the opponent and kind of what they do offensively, he wants to give teams a fresh look and try to confuse some of these younger quarterbacks and so I'm always eager to see what he cooks up you know because it's now it's kind of like when Joe Lee Dunn was here in the 90s I mean there were some times at Mississippi State we'd rather be on defense because they were more entertaining and, and that's a byproduct of the offense is kind of being antiquated back then but you know we could score on defense so they, they hadn't scored much this year on defense but uh, they are very exciting to watch and you know the, the, the issue with this group that I think has improved this year is State can man up on the outside. Emmanuel Forbes is the guy that really took over the second half of the year, and that being a freshman All-American, has already tied the school record for pick sixes in a career, and he's only played a year and a half. Uh, and then Martin Emerson's a guy that we think will be a second or third-round draft pick. 
uh, in this year's draft. He's expected to declare early. So they can man you up outside and then bring some additional pressure. And that hadn't always been the case. You know, even that 18 defense the state had with Jeffrey Simmons and Jonathan Abram, those guys that were so outstanding, you know, corner was a little bit of a question mark. It's not really with this team. The issue is depth. There's not a lot of depth behind those starters. And Martin Emerson, basically your one corner, played more snaps on defense than anybody on the roster and was second on the team behind only Darian Parker, an offensive guard last year in snaps played. So conditioning is a big part of things. But uh, DeCambriano Richardson is a guy that's coming on. Assize Spurge has been serviceable. But if you get in a situation where you have to get too deep in the depth chart, there could be a real liability at corner. You know, you foreshadowed, uh, always sort of have a light question at the end. Uh, you foreshadowed my answer to my question, but I'll ask you, sort of pulling away from this team, maybe pulling away from the field a little bit, who's your favorite uh, Mississippi State player? That's a great question. Um, I, You know, I really like Will Rogers a lot because, you know, I've known him for so long, and uh, he actually grew up an Ole Miss kid. And uh, both his parents went to Ole Miss, and so it was a difficult decision. But he made the decision that was best for him as a quarterback and not as a fan. That is really cool. And uh, I really, really, really like a kid named Dylan Lawrence. Uh, He was the last kid State signed a couple years ago. Uh, State actually flipped him from Louisiana Tech. But he's a freak of an athlete at like six, four and a half. 200 pounds, runs like a gazelle, currently running second team at safety, never played safety. He was a linebacker in high school, so we kind of established a defensive mentality. Really like him a lot, but uh, probably the guy with the biggest personality on the team is the right guard, a guy by the name of Quatravius Johnson. We call him Dollar Bill. There's a story behind that. Um, I cannot remember the name of the movie. Maybe it's Harlem Nights. I can't remember which one, but... uh, So his grandmother was in the hospital waiting room and this movie was on with Bernie Mac and they called him Dollar Bill. And so his grandmother did not like the name Petravius. So she said, I'm going to call him Dollar Bill. And so now everybody calls him Dollar Bill, except for the offensive lineman. They just all call him Bill. So Bill Johnson uh, probably has the biggest personality. He's so funny. Like he'll, uh, this guy's, you know, six, five and a half, 300 pounds. So he'll do dance videos and put them out on Twitter. You know, he's a guy that doesn't take himself real seriously. But when the lights come on, he will do everything he can to plow you in the ground. Nice. Nice. Sounds like he'll be a fun one to watch. Uh, do you have an all time uh, all time favorite player? That's a harder question, maybe. Got to be John Bond. OK. You know, the very first college football game I ever attended in per- person, November 1st, 1980. I was there when we beat the Bear. Mississippi State wins 6-3. to three. John Bond was a freshman quarterback out of Valdosta, Georgia. And so I was eight years old, and I thought, I mean, this is as good as it gets, man. We just beat number one. And so John Bond became my hero, and I'm happy to say now that John Bond is my friend. And nice. I interviewed him in my second book, uh, Stark Villains, and uh, he was so great. And he's one of the only quarterbacks in the history of the SEC – it's 4-0 and against LSU, so he is the ultimate Tiger killer. So, nice. uh, a lot of love for John, and and if I had to go on the defensive side of the football, you got to go Fred Smoot, right? I mean, you know, there's not, there's never, there's probably not a more colorful guy in the history of Mississippi State. I'm telling you, man, you're reading my mail over here. Uh, you talked about sort of an era with uh, Jolie Dunn. I've got all these names written down. I, I just remember there was an era and it was Fred Smoot on one side and it was Robert Bean on the other. And it was like, how the heck does anyone ever pass against these, these two cornerbacks? 
and uh, Joe Lee Dunn sort of dialing it up up front. I remember there was a quarterback, Hennig. I want to say it was Hen- uh, Matt Hennig. Michael Hennig from right. Montgomery, Alabama. There but you go. That's exactly right. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Hennig first. Yeah, exactly. No, it's exactly right. And uh, they're, they're right off the interstate. You can see that they're building. They have a big sign. And uh, would, uh, when we drive from Atlanta to Mobile, we drive straight through there. And um, it seemed like, and memory sort of plays a trick on you sometimes, but it seemed like uh, at the time I was traveling a lot for work and I travel home on a, on a Thursday. And then it seemed like every Thursday night you guys were on TV. You know, you were, you were Virginia State or, or Virginia Tech, uh, it seemed like. And uh, there was more than one occasion, and I can't remember the, the commentator, uh, but uh, he, uh, uh, Mike Patrick was one of them. I can't remember the other one. And uh, he, he kept saying, he kept saying he'd make a point of, if you're a quarterback anywhere in the country, you need to come to Mississippi State because they've got the defense dialed in. You'll win a national title. And, and those games and those players are so fun to watch. So it certainly was a funny era. Um, I mean, not necessarily as a Mississippi State fan, but just as a fan of all. Uh, that was a fun era to watch you guys play. You guys were always tough. Yeah, and in 98, you know, we had Wayne Madkin uh, also out of uh, yes. out of uh, Alabama. You know, was a guy that uh, you know, we weren't going to get Romero Miller, who was a Gatorade player of the year in Mississippi. So Jackie gets Wayne Madkin, and then as a freshman, he leads Mississippi State to Atlanta. And uh, 99 was a great year, and, you know, we lose that ball game in Tuscaloosa. And I'll, I remember to play like it was yesterday – Bama had been throwing the bubble all day long. It's a 12-7 game. And then Shamari Buchanan shows block and releases out. And then next thing you know, they hit him for a touchdown. Right. Bama went 19-7. But yes. I don't know what Shamari Buchanan has done with the rest of his life, but he made an impression on me. I will never forget that play because that was a team. That, those were great teams. Sean Alexander at Alabama. I mean, we knew whoever won that game was going to win the West that year. Right. And it's a shame we lost. But, you know, we lost to a great team. And, uh, you know, that's the thing I guess you can kind of reconcile a little bit is it'd be one thing if you were undefeated and you, you, you lose to Vanderbilt, you know, but you know, there's no right. shame in losing Alabama. And, and, uh, you know, we were glad if we did lose, at least Alabama went on and won it. So, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, rumor has it that you might be equal parts famous and infamous, I guess, depending upon which, which part of the state, uh, uh, people are invoking your name. I, uh, you know, uh, and for, and for the listeners, uh, I, and I, and I didn't, I didn't call you up and, and say, you know, because I knew this before I was just prepping. Uh, so maybe that's just bad on me, but, uh, that, that you played an, an integral role in sort of uncovering the, the phone records and, and sort of the, the information contained within the phone records that really led to the demise of, of Hugh Freeze. Am I overselling that, underselling that? Talk about that a little bit. Well, I think you're underselling it a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the one that found the records. And uh, Tom Mars actually – so Tom Mars was Houston Nutt's attorney. And uh, a mutual friend of Houston and I's reached out and said, hey, would you be willing to talk to Houston Nutt's lawyer? I'm like, no, I don't even like talking to my own lawyers. I don't want to talk to them, you know, because I don't know what everybody's angle is. You know, I'm in the middle of all this stuff. I'm getting death threats, Ole Miss fans, uh, you know, getting up, people posting pictures of my house on the Internet. So you didn't know who to trust, you know. And so the guy's like, no, really, they just want to talk to you about there's all these allegations about Houston, and he wants to know kind of where this is coming from, if you can help. Is it okay, fine. So Tom Mars, who was Nutt's attorney, is like, hey, listen, I just want to reach out to you and uh, say, listen, I'm going to give you – I know you're writing this book, 
so here's an olive branch to show that I'm legit. So here's all this stuff I've gotten in open records request and in, in, in advance of our lawsuit. So he sends all this stuff to me. So I start going through it and I made their case for them about their defamation case and breach of contract case with, um, you know, Ole Miss, because, you know, these guys were basically, they had a meeting and called all these national uh, sports writers. And then I, you, know, you could pair up the phone calls with the tweets within like minutes. It's like sources say, you know, no, very little football. It's all against Houston, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and so, you know, the case was ultimately settled. And so then we had all these other phone records that I'd never gone through. And so I was like, well, you know, if, if you got Hugh Freeze's phone records, you at least got to see who he's talking to, right? You know, <laughs> then ultimately I found, uh, you know, one call to an, uh, an exotic services ad in uh, Bradington, Florida, right outside of Tampa. And uh, that matches up with some travel records and that sort of stuff. And so then we asked for all six years of the phone records and uh, we knew what we had. You know, that's the thing is like once once I was real reluctant to put it out there because like I said, what if it's a wrong number? You know, I mean, honestly, if you just get one call, so we needed a bigger sample size. Yeah. And so then we started talking. We kind of floated it out there and then people came out of the woodwork. And uh, so I called one of my snitches and uh, who should remain anonymous. And I said, hey, we're finna get all six years. And he reads his phone. He frees his phone records. And the guy just swallowed hard. He said, that's going to be a real problem for you. Well, at that point, I know it's over, you know. Yeah. And so we make the request. And um, to their credit, to Ole Miss's credit, to Ross Bjork and their credit, they weren't going to get blindsided. They knew there was blood in the water. And uh, we knew we had them. And so they did their own investigation and ultimately uncovered the same things that we had and then some. And then, uh, you know, they, they made a move and, uh, you know, he resigned. But, uh you know, it's one of those crazy things that happens, you know, and sometimes I'll be at a red light, you know, like outside of a Waffle House or something. And I'll be like, man, it just really happened to me. I mean, you know, it's like you forget that it happens. Right. And then like, you know, like I'll I'll go out and work and, um, you know, I went to Gainesville and uh, and covered uh, baseball. And all of a sudden, while I'm out there, like, hey, aren't you that guy? And I just need to get a shirt that says, yes, I am that guy, you know. But uh, <laughs> so everywhere I go in the SEC, this is what everybody wants to talk about. And, uh, you know, people always assume, like, oh, well, those, you know, the prostitutes had to be for uh, – or let me – the massage therapist had to be for uh, for recruits. And, and I'll be honest with you, there's no evidence of that. I know that would make for a better story for a lot of people, but – I found no evidence of that, and I'm kind of glad that I didn't, right. because that would be uh, that would be one of those deals, you know. That uh, you know, I don't think that's a stain that anybody in the SEC really wants. You know, I mean, right. that's just you know the, the fact that teenagers could be involved with that yeah. sort of stuff. I don't know how that makes it better. I agree with you 100. percent And I just again, there's no evidence of that now. That may have happened, but I don't. I'm not aware of that, and I always make it a point to mention that because there's so many people that always. Oh, I think this. Well, let me just tell you, I'm the guy that saw all the phone records. I'm the guy that interviewed all these people, and I can tell you, I have found nothing to support that whatsoever. Have you ever had? Have Have you in in these in these sort of intervening years? Have you had uh, any sort of direct contact with with Hugh Freeze or or any sort of outreach in in that regard? No, no, not okay. at all. You know, I'm sure I'm probably one of the last guys in the world he wants to talk to, you know. And, you know, I'm a guy that, listen, I'll live in peace, you know, if people will let me, you know, and right. I, that's kind of how I feel about it. But, you know, I'm also the kind of guy, too, that, you know, I, I tell people I'm a great friend 
but I'm an even worse enemy, you know? And so, you know, I, I just kind of lead people on and, you know, raise my dogs and write books and cover Mississippi state. And I'm content to do that forever. If people leave me alone, but you know, you'd be amazed at the stuff people send me. I mean, like even now, really? you know, people will send me something. Hey, I heard this, or I saw this, or you should look into this, you know, guys, I'm not looking for a repeat, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just not, Right. You know, I'm that guy. I mean, con- contrary to what the Ole Miss people think, you know, I don't have some agenda where I'm just constantly looking for dirt. The dirt finds me. I just don't always do anything with it. You know, right. and I think, it's, you know, again, there are things that happen, you know, in this conference. And, uh, you know, I think one, once a lot of people found out that I didn't burn any sources when I wrote the book Flim Flam, I had a lot of more people that found me trustworthy. So they send me stuff. But you'd be amazed. And here's the thing, too, to be fair. Probably 95% of the stuff people send me are not violations. You know, it's like, hey, this high school coach took this kid. And he's a big old Miss fan. But there's nothing illegal about that. You know, I mean, it's like there are a lot of things people don't like and they think are a violation that they're not. It's like, and then, of course, all these all these uh, Auburn fans were contacting me. Hey, dude, you need to go after Alabama. I'm like, dude, I'm not going after anybody. You know, it's like, you know, if a story finds me, I'll write the story, but I'm not actively out here, you know, being Mr. FBI trying to bring right. down the No, that's, I, I, that's just, it's so interesting. And it was so, it, it just seems so unexpected when it, when it came. I, I remember I was flying and I was listening to a podcast and uh, is, you know, the news was coming out, coming out and, um, and they said, well, you know, breaking news, Ole Miss something. And I was like, well, how bad can it be? And I remember, like, the whole rest of the flight, just my jaw was was just dropped because the the the, the scope and, and it's just the magnitude of, of, of what it was was just unbelievable. That he was doing it, that he was doing it in a way to get caught. So many, so many things. That's uh, it's just one of those things in college football lore or history now and certainly there in Mississippi, you know, even more so. But uh, – Steve, any 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 questions when we think about this this week's coming uh, coming up game? Any questions or topics that I didn't ask? Any any sort of uh, I want to say compelling stories or news you want to break? But anything that we didn't that we didn't ask that you think? Hey, watch for this on Saturday. Well, I'll give you a quick injury report. I mean, Mississippi State coming off an open date. I mean, outside of Brandon Ruiz, the kicker, he's the only guy that's questionable. You know, we expect everybody else uh, to participate. I mean, there's just you know. At this point in the season, State is probably as healthy as they could be. And I know that's always a question. People always wonder, yeah, but coming out of the open date, State's in good shape. They were in good shape going in. Guys got their legs on there last week. They only practiced a couple days last week. Mike wanted to keep them fresh late. You know, Reese has been missing, I guess, since the beginning of the LSU ball game. And so he last game at AM, he traveled with the team and actually dressed and went through pregame warm-ups, just wasn't ready to go. But uh, he is uh, he is one of those guys. It's a difference maker for state. Nolan McCord's done a decent job for state, but he's about fifty percent now. You really want your senior out there if you can get him. But outside of that, state's in really good shape. Fantastic. Well, we look forward to the game Saturday. Alabama uh, definitely exposed a little bit uh, uh, last week against uh, Texas A and M. We've got a lot of work to do. Sounds like you guys have put in a, a, a lot of work, and certainly a team that's on the rise. Should be a really fun game. Look forward to uh, look forward to watching it, Steve. And certainly, thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. You guys take care. All right, take care. All right, welcome back, podcast fans. 
what I tell you, that was pretty good. Uh, Steve was uh, definitely a very interesting person. I enjoyed meeting him. I uh, enjoyed talking ball with him and uh, certainly the opportunity to hear uh, a little bit of insight uh, on the Hugh Free story is uh, certainly uh, something uh, fun as well. I had a lot of fun talking about an era of Mississippi State ball that, uh, that I, I really enjoyed. Talked about that a little bit and the way that he was able to rattle off names that they all sort of resonated with me, uh, but just my memory didn't go there with uh, – uh, with the Mississippi State players uh, so immediately. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, just, so for me, a little memory lane there, but uh, a lot of fun talking ball uh, with Steve and talking about State and uh, potentially even the trajectory of the program. Certainly hope you enjoyed it, and uh, I hope these interviews are enjoyable, that uh, uh, you as listeners are uh, are enjoying those. If you are, drop me a note. Uh, let us know. Drop us a, uh, a review on, uh, on the iTunes. Let us know. If there's an upcoming team, that uh, perhaps you have questions, uh, drop those to us, alabamafootballpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, if there's a, uh, a particular site that you would like us to try to engage, interview with, then I'll welcome those res- our, our recommendations as well. We have um, had an easier go of it this year, uh, but sometimes finding uh, these sites to, uh, to meet with uh, isn't as easy as it seems. And so if you have a lead or a point of interest that we can pursue, We're more than happy to do that. All right, with that, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.